Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the First Down Snapcast, I'm your host Richard Butler and tonight we are joined by Special Teams Coordinator and Regular Sky Sports Analyst Jeff Reinbold. How are you doing Jeff? I'm great guys, how's everything back in play? Um, similar to around the world at the moment, a bit scared with everything that's going on but I think we're all trying to make the best we can and get on with life. Hey, there's nothing to be scared about Leeds is going to the Premiership, baby. Let's roll. Yeah, <laughs> not not many, not loads of people listening to this might not agree with that. Not many people like Leeds, unfortunately. <laughs> hey, well, I'm, listen, I'm dirty till I'm dirty, baby. Excellent. That's what we like to hear, Jeff. <laughs> um. So yeah, I think our little first question probably is, but with everything what's gone on today, so quite a few of the NFL teams today have come out with statements regarding suspending training, round the camps stuff like, especially like. Denver, Jacksonville and Philly have all come out and said they'd like the workers to work from home if possible. The league suspended the annual meeting at the end of the month. Do we think this could roll on into the draft being pushed back? Obviously, I know we've got to look at safety first. I, you know, it's interesting that the league would have been really quiet about you know, a position on this while, while other sports leagues, the CFL obviously uh, has cancelled their combine. They got two combines coming up, but they cancelled those. All the, you know, basically all the lead uh, media work and all the things leading up into training camp because they're about two, uh, they're two months away from training camp. <clears throat> They've all been cancelled. The NBA has cancelled its season. The NHL has cancelled. Ceased operations cancelled, cancelled, you know, the season temporarily. And Major League Baseball has got a lot of the same issues. So, um, you know, it's not surprising. It's just we're in a strange time, fellas. I cannot remember. You know, obviously, 9/11 had a huge impact on on the season, but it was really, um, you know, kind of 
I won't say a blip, but it wasn't. It didn't last. This thing has the potential, I think, to last and push back, you know, the calendar year. Although the NFL has come out and said that they're adamant and they're going to try and maintain the, you know, the the status quo in terms of how the year is structured. Yeah, it's like I say. I was watching football tonight and over the last couple of nights, and it's strange they've been playing with no fans in like the soccer games, and they're on about. Other events being played, like the, I think the golf's happening at the moment in Sawgrass with no fans, and that's what you can even imagine. Even the CFL, NFL, without no NBA, with anything with no fans, I just it wouldn't be the same. It ain't the spectacle, is it? No, you, <clears> you know, and I, and I, I think that the long-term uh, economic ramifications of this are really far-reaching because I heard Mark Cuban who owns the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA talking about, you know. Everybody that works at the facility, you know, at the stadium where they play, those are hourly workers. Those are people that are relying on that paycheck. They weren't, you know, the million dollar players, you don't worry about as much as, you know, the fans and the people that work in the stadiums and the people that, you know, that support the franchises around the league, you know, and, and uh, everything. And all of that is going to have a huge impact if they shut down, you know, the season or move the season back. And I think it's we are operating, as I said earlier, we're operating in strange times. This is, this is something I cannot think of another time that we've had this kind of worldwide implication. No, and it's changing daily. I can, like I think beginning of the week they were saying in like the NBA, nothing was going to change. Then rule twenty four hours, and it's just all gone. And it's I think it's just going to keep affecting. Fingers crossed. The, what we're doing here in the UK, what's happening in the America, in America, they're gonna. Hopefully, we can contain this and stop the spread. Yeah, I, I think that you know it's it's incredible. You know, you consider like the Falcons. I saw the Falcons today have shut their facility, and they're going to go through and basically disinfect the whole facility, and they hope that they'll be able to open the doors again on Monday. But until that time, they're going to keep people out, and I think that's going to be the case. I think that. Not worth the risk no. for the players and the coaches and and uh, everybody that's in those buildings and I, you know it's just so weird. I'm I'm here in Hawaii and the University of Hawaii's women's team just went back to play in the Big West uh, basketball tournament and postseason tournament and halfway through first they started with no fans and then halfway through they pulled the plug on the tournament and the teams fly home and. The university, which is on spring break right now, has said that they're going to cancel the semester, and they're all, the only teaching they're going to do is online courses. So it's 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 crazy, guys. Yeah, it's it's definitely crazy, but fingers crossed. Positive news will come in the next few weeks, months, and fingers crossed. The CFL, NFL, nothing will push back, and we will have our lovely sport as always. Yeah, you know what's interesting is you. You know, because I'm going to tell you something, fellas. Coaches are coaches, and whether it's you know um, something global terrorism or it's a you know one of these kind of situations where we got an epidemic, coaches are going to work, and they're going to find a way to get on with the project at hand. Now, remotely, I'm sure from home they'll do their computer work, their evaluations. But I think the teams that are able to deal with this the best. And it's just like every case of adversity. The teams that handle the adversity the best are the teams that get an edge. And that doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl, but it gets them an edge in the competitive yeah. environment. 
and you know as teams take coaches off the road you know this is the time when coaches and scouts are going to individual player workouts and you know school workouts and you know like they out University of Alabama when they have their their pro day they're going to have general managers at that thing and normally now here we go they shut down all of the you know the people on the road throughout the league you know it's going to be strange it's going to be a whole different deal and even you don't even know if the university if, the, if somebody would send a you know a scout there you don't even know if the university is going to be open and, and uh, you yeah. know players have access to the players so it's it's a different deal yeah, it's like you're saying there. They can like the coach can work behind the desk, but we're, this is like the busy time we've gone. We've just had the combine, and we're leading up to the draft. So it's all the visits in between now. Free agency starts next week, so you can imagine them visits aren't going to be able. To, obviously, your veteran players, you know what you're getting, but when it's certain ones who've had injury prone, you want to check them out, and the free agents want to check out the facilities and stuff. They won't just they don't want to do it over an email or a. Skype call to say to do a contract they want to go and check it all out yeah absolutely and you know free agency has become like college recruiting now and you know you bring a guy in and you take him out to dinner and you talk to him about his role in the team and uh, you show him the facilities you, you're obviously the medical people are going to have an opportunity to check him out well what are you going to do now when all that's taken away because of you know all these limitations that we're working under it is really going to change, change or has the potential anyway yeah. change the face of the whole deal because as you guys said this next two month period is maybe the most important in a team's ability to rebuild or reload itself because free agency what you do in free agency dictates to a great extent what you're going to do in the draft to fill needs and now again it's going to be a much much tougher situation when you don't have the opportunity to sit down face to face with people, and, and uh, you know, it's it's really really going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Um, next next thing we're really looking into. So the the collective bargain, the new CBA has gone out to the players for voting. Obviously, it might change a bit with the restrictions, but how are they going to do that? A um, couple of key points what have come out from the new one is firstly, is the extra playoff increasing the playoff teams? So if it had been in effect last season, Steelers and the Rams would have got in. Are you for an extra, the, the lower team getting in? I won't say lower team, but would they have had much of effect in the playoffs last year? Or do we think it's just getting more game time in the playoffs? Well, I, I'm, not sure. I'm not sure that those two teams you mentioned would have had deep runs in the playoffs because they both were deficient in some real key areas. But <coughs> I think that it's a good idea to have as many teams as possible in the playoffs. Uh, just because I think that football is such a unique game, and, and, you know, it's a one, these playoffs are one-off games. It's not like you do aggregate score in, the, in a two-game set or, you know, however, I don't know what NBA, I guess, is seven-game playoffs yeah. in, in, in uh, Major League Baseball is either five or seven. So, you know, when, you, when it's a one-game winner-take-all <coughs> situation, you know, you can get a team that gets hot and might have been an average, what you consider an average team, but they get hot and healthy at the right time, and lo and behold, you can make a dent or you can actually win the thing. You know, we saw that with the Giants one year where they were, I, I certainly didn't think they were the best team in the National Football League, but they got hot at the right time and started to make some plays, and 
believe in one another and, and the next thing you know they're the world champions yeah effectively it's a cup competition once you get to playoffs and it is, it is that it is that one hour game and you perform for that one hour you'll go to the week the next week the week after and hopefully end up with a Super Bowl I think one of the good ideas I like from this is just the one buy from each conference so the number one seed there is only one number one seed who will get that buy into week two Oh, that's going to make it even more, you know, it's going to make it even more critical that you get that buy. That buy is so important, guys. When you're playing uh, as many games as these guys play, now they're, they're talking about adding the 17th game. Well, obviously that's wearing tear on a player's body, and any time you get a chance to get a player an opportunity to rest before they go to the playoffs is a positive thing. And I'm going to say this, um, having been through playoff football a number of times, when it's a one-off playoff, You've got to understand how intense that is because everybody realizes you're not playing, you know, it's, it's, it's beyond playing to win. You're playing to play next week, right? You always play to win. But when you're playing 17 times or 16 times or 18 times like we do, you know, obviously it, a loss, it hurts, but you get over it and you get yourself ready to play the next week. In the playoffs, you're playing to stay alive. And, I mean, that's the desperation that people play with. That's why when your players say the hitting and the speed of the playoffs is unique, and it really is. There, there's training camp speed, there's regular season speed, and then there's playoff speed. Yeah. Um, I think with the move to being just a one-by per conference, and you said a seven, there's the extra game, you could potentially not... St- it could mean no teams rest any players in that final week because they could, that final seed might not be determined to the last week of the season. I think that's probably, good. Uh, that's probably a good thing, number one. And I think that's probably a good observation by you that, you know, it, it's, it's going to put... The games are going to become more and more and more critical. And, you know, that's what the NFL wants. They don't want to see, uh, uh, you know, meaningless games at the end of the year. Uh, they want the games to go right down to the wire. They'd like to have 17 weeks of, or 17 uh, games of you know, high-intensity, high-stakes football and not not be in a situation where at the end of the year somebody's playing out the string just to finish the season. Yeah. I know I know. when it, when it's all being announced about an extra game and like teams playing full strength, I could, you could just hear everyone who plays NFL fantasy like thinking, yes, I won't lose my fantasy final because teams have rested someone. Because it's it is a, such an intense game as a fantasy, and when it gets that final week and pl- players are, are relying on people and they get rested, you can just see the anguish in the face. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, and and it is something how fantasy has really the fantasy leagues have kind of taken a, a life of their own. You know, and I, I remember when that whole thing was getting started, and nobody really knew what it was. Nobody really had any idea how big and how fast it was going to grow. But it has become kind of a cottage industry of its own for the NFL. Yeah, like I say, we, we run a couple of fantasy leagues in Leeds and we all meet up on a Saturday. We, we pick the teams on a draft board and everything. And it's so intense. We're all there with study sheets of who's done well from the previous year. It's, it, you'd think we were doing the draft in April. Um, also the other thing so we just touched a bit there on that extra game um, a lot of people are thinking is this 17th game a way of the NFL getting 
17 international games in a regular season in various countries without everyone, anyone having to technically give up a home game. Because the NFL could say, well, we've given you that extra game, so we want you to go and play in China, Germany, England, Mexico. Long term, not not like say it's going to happen straight away, but potentially it could. Well, you know, this, what's interesting is uh, most of the players in the league, this new collective bargaining agreement will be the one that they'll play their entire career on, or under. So there's a lot of there's a lot of implications here. I like what I mean. I think the owners have given some. Uh, Giving up some ground to the players, I think that the players are obviously making that 17th game into a you know a, a bargaining tool. They're taking away a preseason game. Um, uh, I, I just really think that this is a fair deal for everybody. You're going to see that the minimum salary in the league, you know, rises to a million dollars uh, a year during the during the uh, length of this C, the proposed CBA. So I think there's a lot of good in. Thing. It reaches back and it helps some of the veteran players that help build the league. Uh, the, the the core players. I'm talking about not the superstar guys. The superstar guys, you know, they're in a they're in a world all their own. But the core guys, the, the the working class guys of the National Football League, if you will, stand to really benefit from this. So, I, to me, I think it's I wouldn't say it's a no brainer, but I think it's a really good thing for the league and uh, for the players. I know there have been some guys, J.J. Uh, Watt was one, and, and Pouncey was another one that come out and said they really don't like it, but uh, I've also heard guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's a very smart guy and, and very much, I think, committed to what's best for the game, feeling like it's a really good thing for the players. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes when they put it vote. Yeah, I think that next week it's all, I think it starts this weekend, beginning of next week it's in, did you vote to Dubai? So... It should be soon. Yeah, I, and I hope, and I hope they ratify it and we move forward. And you know, we get once there's labor peace, that's that's a big, big, big deal. Because once there's labor peace, then you know we can get on with you know building teams and you know trying to have a great 2020 season. Yeah, definitely. So free agencies here. There's uh, it's probably one of the most interesting free agencies for a long time for many reasons. Certain quarterbacks are in there. We don't really want to be going about them all the time. But there's Brady, there's Breeze, there's Rivers, there's Winston. Newton would have been a free agent, but he's staying in Carolina. But one what interests me a lot is running backs. So, seeing today that Tennessee are releasing Dion Lewis, which would clearly mean they're going to pay Derrick Henry, which they need to. And the other notable running back is Melvin Gordon. But with all the heat what happened last year, could you really see Melvin moving off to a different team this preseason? Because Austin Eckler proved very capable of covering for Gordon when he didn't play. Yeah, I think the fact that they've signed Eckler uh, to a four-year deal, you know, makes makes it more likely that you're going to see Gordon playing someplace else. You know, running back's a funny, funny position. You know, you you, you look around and. and you know, you see a guy like Kenyon Drake, who the, the Dolphins basically gave up on, and then he went to Arizona, had a great year, and now he's set for a big, big payday. Um, you know, the tendency I think is always with the running backs that you know you're paying for what they did, not what they do, and the tendency is to overpay at that position. I wouldn't, 
you know, you got to be really careful, careful in my mind about putting a bunch of money into a running back. You look at the Le'Veon Bell situation as, as proof, and, you know. Uh, and I think that free agency as a whole, guys, this is really, really important that the fans understand. It is not like collecting football cards. I mean, it's not like, uh, you know, you, you want to go out and get uh, a J.J. Watt. Say, let's, let's say a J.J. Watt. You may want to, that guy on your team, but you're going to pay premium for that guy. And then you have to factor in his age and his injury history and all those other things. So there's a lot that goes into it. It's just not, okay, the guy's been a seven-time Pro Bowler. I want him on our football team. Does he fit your needs? Does he fit your profile? Does he fit inside the cap? How much is he going to cost us? And then how long a term of contract are we going to have to have? Because if you look at the teams, and I'll, and I'll use the Dolphins as an example. I don't know in recent memory when any team is better positioned to create a sustainable winner than the Dolphins are right now. I think they've got 90 or $100 million worth of cap space. They got an you know, inordinate amount of draft choices and high draft choices, so they're positioned to really, really build that football team the way they want it. Now, are they going to be disciplined enough, and are they going to be, you know, uh, committed enough to the Dolphin profile to what Flores and Greer want? If they are, there's no guarantees, but there's a much better chance that that they will not only become a competitive football team. A playoff football team, but for a long term because they're going to have a core that's going to be built for the long term. Yeah, like I say, you were saying with the high picks, they've got three in the first thirty-two picks, two I think is it two in the top top fifteen as well. So they they're in a really good position. Like I say, it's just down to the mindset and if they they're going to do what's right for the long term. Because everyone did laugh at them in the last eighteen months with. When they were just getting rid of all the best players, and people like saying, "Why are we doing it? Why are we doing the killing?" They had the long-term goal, so hopefully they continue with this long-term goal and create what's right for an organization, which obviously wants to get back to where it was. Yeah, and you know what? It's it's it's, it's really happens to most every franchise. There's there's going to be a time when you have to realize that it's now time to turn the roster and to change and and build for the future. You look at a team like Carolina, for example, and Arizona is another one. Two teams we talked about on Inside the Huddle last week. Both teams have less than $40 million in cap space, and they have multiple needs, and they don't have extra draft picks. So it's really tough on those teams. It's much longer process, and it's much, you've got to, you can't, if you and I were going to go to play poker together and you had Miami's chips and I had Carolina's chips, well I better be a much better poker player than you because you've got more room to, you know, make mistakes and still come out of it making money. If I if I make mistakes, I, you know, I'm gonna bust and I'm bankrupt quick. So it's it's just like that in building your football team. And I think it's really, really important that when you look at those teams, if you got thirty nine million dollars or thirty three million dollars of cap space who are you, who are you going to get as a free agent? You've got to really do a great job of finding those bargain guys that can come in for you and make an impact, and then you better draft extremely well because that's the only way you can, you know, turn the team over. Yeah, you 
say, say if, if you've only got a small budget like that, for example, you're not going to want to be going to spend in the thirty million plus to get Tom Brady for two years. You're not going to get many much more space to pick other players up there. So it's definitely spending it wisely when you've got a smaller budget. There's no question, and, and uh, you know, again, it's all it's capology. You know, it's, it's everybody's got to be on top of this all the time, and that we're all competitive people, right? Everybody in pro sports is competitive, and everybody wants to win. And just like you know, Herman Edwards said, you play to win the game. Well, you also recruit to win the game. You draft to win the game. You you know build your off-season program to win the game, you, but you can't lose sight of what is the most important thing inside your program. Coach Vermeil, when I worked for him in Kansas City, he used to say it this way, he said, man, we have to keep the main thing the main thing and not get caught up in competitive environments where, let's say you budgeted $27 million for a player and then you were involved in a negotiation with them and there's another club involved and now the dollars start getting when you when you if you say twenty seven million is twenty where you're going to go and that's all you've got for them, you have to step away at, at twenty seven million and not get caught in the competitive thing. I got to get the player, and now now it's all of a sudden it's thirty five million, and you create a problem for yourself. Yeah, you definitely have. In in any of the current free agents, Jeff, or any what you've seen, can you say any deals what are likely to happen? What you think will happen? Well, you know what? One thing that I would really like to see happen is Joe Thune is uh, the guard from New England is on the market. Uh, they're supposed to come on the market, and that, uh, there's been some some talk that in New England that they're not going to pay him what he thinks he's worth, and he's one of the best guards in football. Well, right now, I think that's a perfect perfect landing spot in Miami for him. And here's why. I think he would bring toughness, he'd bring maturity, he'd bring a winning attitude. He understands what what Flores wants. They've been around each other. Um, familiarity is really important in the free agency process. Yeah. So you look at a guy like Kyle Van Noy. Now this is a little bit strange, but Kyle Van Noy, who is scheduled to be on, you know, become a free agent next week, the linebacker from New England, you know. He was with Detroit. They had a scheme change. He really didn't fit. He goes to New England. He has a really, really good career in New England. Well, <laughs> other than one season, one, two seasons, who was his coordinator? It was Patricia. Well, Patricia needs help on defense, and linebacker is a position of need. So that would make sense to me for, for him to go back to Detroit. Now, that would be interesting if he would. I don't know if there was any acrimony between he and the organization when he left, but but certainly when you know a player and you know him intimately, you, you, you've been through the battles with him. You know how he's going to react when it's, when it's not going good because there's one thing you're guaranteed in pro football, fellas, and that's adversity. And when adversity strikes, you want guys around you who you know how they're going to, you know, are they going to, are they going to you know, point the finger? Are they going to, you know, be blame guys? Are they going to, you know, or are they going to be guys that, you know, you want to be in a foxhole with, and so that's all part of the free agency process. Yeah, and the, and pl- the players, like I say, coaches have the players and know. And if they've used had them before, they will be able to. If they go to that team, they can help because they'll know the coach's playbook. So, especially with youngsters as well coming through from the draft and the other players, they can help them more than say this is what coach is after. 
and you can sort of be in like a it's like it's, it's like another coach on the field, isn't it? The veteran players who have worked with them before. There is no question. And great teams, every great team I've ever been around, was led by the players, not by the coaches. Now, obviously, the head coach is the you know is the face. He sets the tone. He talks to the team every day. All the position coaches are their job is to echo that you know through the line so that their down line and up line and communication is all the same. But it's in the locker room where it's the most important thing. And when you have great leadership in your locker room, then you've got the best chance because, you know, it's really, really hard. I'm telling you, guys, it is incredibly hard to get 55 or 60 guys all going in the same direction when there's egos involved, there's money involved, it's an insecure business, there's a lot of reasons why it can go haywire. And when you get a team, when you get a team that's built tough in the locker room, one of the reasons why they talk, you know, the Patriots have been so good for so long is they talk about guys that have been there talk about how great the locker room is, how there is a way they do things there. And when you go into a meeting and the, the first guy in the meeting and he's sitting in the front row with his book open is Tom Brady, who's going to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Think what that does to a rookie or a free agent that comes in there. It's like all of a sudden you look at him and go, ooh, if Tom's doing it, I better do it. You know, so I think that's when you get that kind of leadership in your locker room, you got you got the best chance you can have. Yeah, for sure. And finally, Jeff, just it's just going back to a bit to last season, but what what was your impressions on our attempts on an NFL stage at Tottenham? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just really think that, that that facility is so beautiful. And I, I, I think that's another step in the direction of a franchise in the UK. Um, obviously, Wembley's got a special place in my heart because of the fact that, you know, that's the first London game I ever saw was in, was in Wembley. And yeah, I, I just really think that the... the New stadium in Tottenham is built more for you know an NFL sightline for you know the, Wembley is so far back. You get kind of a the crowd is, is really those flat seats. You know how it doesn't go straight up. Yeah, it goes back. It's kind of you know it's not as good an environment. Although guys, the the best and I'm going to say this: the best football environment outside the Super Bowl that I've ever seen. It are the London games. I mean, it's it's as much like the Super Bowl as you can get. You see jerseys from all over. You see you know, fans from every team there. Um, it's just a really, really great fan environment. And frankly, it's, it's much better than a lot of places on game day in the NFL. You know, it, it's not Lambeau Field, but it's, it's pretty doggone good. Yeah, there was, there was a lot of comments from a lot of the Oakland guys when they came over last year. Obviously, they're moving to a state-of-the-art facility this year. LA, both LA teams are as well, so a lot of these modern stadiums are now popping up across America. And obviously, we are homage there to Wembley. I'm hoping it's the last year of the Wembley deal this year, so I'm hoping something can be announced on that one because just because it's got bigger attendance and extra 20,000 fans in there compared to Tottenham, but if we, have to, if we settle on the Tottenham one for another 10 years, I'm more than happy with that. Yeah, just just as long as the games keep coming, I, I, I you know, I guess I am 
of, of the mind, and I'm bullish on you know getting a team in the UK. I think it would work. I, I don't think there's any question that uh, it would be really, really well received. Obviously, the fan base in, in the UK is phenomenal, and it has grown so much. <laughs> I remember in 19, I think it was 1994. We started NFL Europe up again. It had been there as a World League for two years and then came back in 94. And the London Monarchs played in White Hart Lane. And we came over to play. And I swear, you could have counted the number of people in the stands. <laughs> and that's how it's grown. I mean, it's just in, it's unbelievable. And you, watch, you see all the universities now in England that are playing football. And how the you know the indigenous club game has grown, and, and you know Bappa's done a great job, and you know like the the uh, Jaguars are have people on the ground and running the flag thing, and the, I mean it's just it's it's so much better, it's so much bigger, it's so much uh, more intense. It's it's like even our television broadcast, like our viewership has continued to rise every year. Um, you go around town, and, and you know people want to talk football. And I'm, I'm talking about NFL football. They, you know, they see you on the street or in a restaurant, and they want to come over and they want to talk about their team. And I just think it's fantastic. It really, really has grown a tremendous amount. And everybody that's had a hand in it, from Alistair Kirkwood all the way through those people at NFL UK and into the league office in, in New York, and at the grassroots level, every fan that buys a T-shirt or buys a hat or you know, joins a fantasy league or, you know, watches Sky on, you know, watches the NFL on Sky, we're all helping to promote and grow the game. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think we all, we all do our parts. And I think with Jacksonville playing two games at Wembley this year, I think that's another, in back-to-back weeks, that's another tick on the franchise mode, what I think we're looking at. So, fingers crossed it all goes well. And we'll be looking forward to the full announcements in April on, on the four games here and the one in Mexico. Yep, I think, that, and again, just keep it coming, baby. Keep football growing. Keep it going around the world. And, and uh, you know, again, the, the game has never been stronger. The game has never been safer. The game has never been better than it is today. No, it's definitely getting to where it is. Well, thank you, Jeff, for your time again. And hopefully we'll be able to get you on again soon once we've passed the draft and before the season starts. Tell us I loved it. And I'll be happy to come on anytime you want to talk. And, and uh just hit me up you got my phone yeah no worries Jeff thank you very much for your time alright guys aloha aloha place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.